Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Autism Stories. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience, and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their insights. If you would like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. On today's episode, May May Lou joins us to discuss a topic that's very near and dear to, to me right now, and that is grief. And we also discuss May May's poetry. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. May May, thanks so much for joining me here on Autism Stories. I first learned about you through the autismandgrief.org website as you were part of an award-winning video that was created titled Grief is a Spectrum 2, Stories about Grief and Autism. Now in that video you talked about your grief but also the grief of your mother when your father passed away. And that made me think about how much did the grief or just others' emotions impact you or for that matter still impact you during the grieving process? It is sad to admit that my mother's overwhelming grief in many ways did overshadow mine, but I understood that my parents had a unique love story and that she would be forever devastated. So I had in order to support her, put my feelings on the back burner. But I don't think she did that intentionally. She certainly checked in with me constantly asking how she could help me. And I really feel that for people on the spectrum, that's the biggest thing they can do for us. A lot of people on the spectrum have difficulty not only communicating, but also dealing with their own feelings. So it really takes a village of people pushing that individual perhaps more 
than neurotypical individuals to do the work, as they say, of grieving. It's validating for me to hear you talk about, you know, just like checking in because like during my grief recently, people have asked, you know, what can I do? And the only thing I would been able to tell them is, you know, just check in with me because I don't think I have the capacity to reach out to you. So that's really great to hear. I came across the autismandgrief.org website as my mother has passed away a couple months ago, and it's been um, the most difficult time for me. And I knew something that would help me is to hear about how others have gone through the, the same process of grieving. I know the grieving process is different for each one of us, but I was wondering if there's been any specific things that have helped you to navigate through the grief process. Well, I know you are in some ways asking this specifically for the autistic adult audience, but my feeling about grief is that certainly it's individual, but I also believe it's exactly the same feeling. It's just a feeling of sheer pain. And when you are in pain, you can scream or shout or be stoic, but the sensation doesn't change much. And I think in retrospect, though I'm not sure the grieving process ever really ends, but it's been 11 years, actually yesterday, since my father died and only 10 months later, my grandfather died and we've had so many deaths in our family. It seems like a continuum of death. All one can do is recognize that there's no way of getting out of this pain. You can try to anesthetize it or talk it out, but in reality, it's not your perception that pain is really there. I think the most basic thing is that humans heal and learn quite slowly over time. But that old adage about time healing is really true. 
certainly the first year is just awful. And for me, I still have sudden moments 11 years later of recurring, intense, unexplained outbursts of grief. But each time I recover more quickly and am able to cope with my everyday life more easily. In some ways, for me at least, the pain is a reminder of how much I loved the deceased person. If I didn't, I wouldn't be feeling any pain. Each person has to decide what might help them through it and not be afraid to have the courage to do it their own way. This for me defines grief as a spectrum. Each person has their own style, but I would say be prepared for the pain to last a long time. It's not a matter of suddenly you wake up one day and feel fine, but that each day it impacts the present slightly less. Whenever I don't understand something or struggle with something, I quickly kind of revert to doing research. So, and that's kind of what I've been doing through my grief process. So in researching to learn about others' grief, the thing that's been missing for me, and that's it, definitely been helpful, but the thing that's missing, I think I feel, um, and I don't know, maybe, maybe not, is learning from other autistic people how they process grief because after all, we process the world differently. So I think it makes sense to me that we might process grief and may, may experience it differently. So I'm wondering for you if, if there are any ways you see that your autism has impacted the way you experience grief. I'm not sure I can address that. For me, I'm not sure how I perceive the world is different from neurotypical people because I'm not neurotypical. I'm just me. And whatever differences I may have, they are still the yardstick by which 
I measure the world. I can't get outside of myself enough to make that judgment. I would only say that every person, autistic or neurotypical, has the right to process whatever their perceptions are, including grief, in their own way. And my message, and I think the message of our website is that that is okay. That no autistic person should feel they need to display or process their grief in a particular way. I think our little video, the animation, shows that some people eat or can't eat or listen to music or reminisce or just want to avoid. And I think that's highly individual. I would just say that the autistic individual needs to feel free and be encouraged by their loved ones to express their grief in their own way. And maybe because they are autistic, their way is more idiosyncratic or outlandish or odd, whatever, but their loved ones and themselves can benefit from, as I said, doing the work of grief. My understanding is that if left unworked, unattended, the pain only gets worse. So if you have to break things or scream or spend all day stimming or escape in games or movies, then just do it. It's your grief, own it your way. Maymay, in, in doing research to interview you, I learned that you've won multiple awards and prizes for your poetry. So whether it's grief or other emotions, I'm wondering how has learning to write poetry and being very good at it impacted your life? Well, before I wrote poetry, I had 
pretty much assigned myself a back seat to life, being autistic with my dyspraxia, so limiting my social engagement. At my college, we had a liberal arts requirement to take a creative arts class. But almost all of these required physical abilities I don't have. Acting, singing, dancing, painting, all these things required motor control I don't have. So I ended up taking a poetry course as the lesser of these evils and just found that I was pretty good at it. And very early, I won a contest for a little haiku, which just shocked me. And suddenly, not only did I have a voice, but I had an audience. People who I never imagined would care what I might have to say suddenly cared and it totally uplifted my self-esteem and sense of personhood. And uh, you wrote a poetry collection, Survival of the Fittest, and I don't know if this is an accurate assessment of your poetry, but it seems, at least to me, you do an amazing job of observing and describing what many would consider harsh realities of the world to allow your readers to see them. But at the same time, you don't make judgments on these realities and allow your readers to come to their own conclusions. Is this accurate? And if so, why is it important for you to give your readers the autonomy to make their own decisions? It certainly is intentional and accurate. Thank you. And the reason is that I'm not a journalist or writing an editorial. It's not my opinion that I'm trying to sell. Part of it is consciousness raising on social or ecological or political issues. But as an artist, my job is to communicate something which will stir something undefined in the viewer or reader 
And then it's for them. Do they want to take action or does it shift their thinking? That's how I perceive my job as an artist. And how can our listeners uh, purchase your poetry collection, Survival of the Fittest? Actually, it's available on Amazon. And ironically, it's on sale right now. So people have no excuse that to, to purchase Survival of the Fittest. It's on sale. That's great. Exactly. <laughs> now, Mamie, is there anything we haven't discussed that you would like to mention? Well, I would only like to add that the Autism and Grief Project created this wonderful online space for both autistic adults and their loved ones to deal with grief. It is a very complex site with so many referrals and references, much of it is even in Spanish, and that those who are grieving really should take at least a quick look at it. We really wanted to reach out, and I have to say that there were only two of us really, who were on the committee creating the website, who do identify as autistic. But the neurotypical members really bowed to our concerns and that was so important. So please avail yourself of the information there. Absolutely. And I would also encourage people to visit the autismandgrief.org website. There's a lot of great information. And I'm thankful for the website because I got an opportunity to speak with you today, Maymay. Thanks so much for joining me here on Autism Stories. Thank you so much. And I feel so privileged to have my opinions be them about the grief issues or my artistic output brought to the attention of a wider audience. Thank you, Doug. We always love hearing from you and would especially love to hear from you relating to this episode on how do you work through big emotions as an autistic person. 
Thanks so much to Maymay for the conversation and to learn about the Autism and Grief website, as well as Maymay's poetry. Please check out the links in the podcast description for this episode. Here at Autism Personal Coach, our clients are the experts, our coaches are the guides. The majority of supports for autistics are not helpful. They try to fix us, not support us. That's why many are confused when we say our clients are the experts, experts of their lived experience. Our clients are the experts for what has worked for them and about the things they need and want in their lives. Our coaches first listen to our clients and then ask thoughtful questions, offer resources, and strategize with our clients so they can get what they need to thrive. Would you want a guide in your life to coach you to get you the things you desire? If so, then visit AutismPersonalCoach.com for more information. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autism Stories, and if you did, if you could tell a friend, foe, or anyone you know about it so they could have the same enjoyable and educational experience as you when listening to Autism Stories, it would be very much appreciated. Until next time, I'm Doug Bletcher of Autism Personal Coach. Talk to you then.